Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and this week is a bit busier as we got new updates from Hollywood and China gets ready for the new year. But first we got some numbers to talk about. Opening in first place is The Little Things, which is not surprising, with 4.8 million in 2,171 theaters. In second place is The Crude's A New Age, because it can't seem to leave that spot, and it made 1.84 million for a total of 43.9 million. In third place is Wonder Woman 1984, with 1.3 million for a total of 39.2 million. In fourth place is The Marksman, dropping hard from first last weekend, to make 1.25 million for a total of 7.8 million. Lastly, in fifth place was Monster Hunter with 740,000 for a total of 11.1 million. The lineup of the top five is not surprising. What was to me a bit was that the little things could not even top five million dollars. Though I think what hurt it was the poor reviews. While not bad, it's around 48% on Rotten Tomatoes and Rotten, so people don't feel like going out to see it, especially if they have HBO Max. Still, as I talked about in the last episode, I was thinking around 8 million, but I guess unless it's a bigger movie, that is not happening. For February, there are only two big wide releases, both from Warner Brothers, which is Judas and the Black Messiah, and Tom and Jerry. We also have a potential Oscar contenders from Searchlight, uh, with Nomadland also coming out for a wide release in a few weeks. We will see if any of these can open above 10 million. So for the Chinese box office, we do have a small surprise in that little red envelope but did not collapse. And it maintained its first place spot with 7.4 million for a total now of 22.6 million. Still, the overall total is not good compared to some of the other movies released in the past few months. In second place was Shockwave 2 with 6.4 million for a total now of 187 million. In third place was A Little Red Flower with 5.5 million for a total of 207 million. Fourth place was Wish Dragon with 3.1 million for a total of 18.8 million. Lastly, in fifth place was Warm Hug with 2.5 million for a total of 127 million. Not much else to say here as we wait for the New Year weekend, which analysts are saying could range from 700 to 1 billion in total. At least that's what Deadline is reporting, so exciting stuff there. For the rest of the world, let's take a look at a few different movies. The Little Things did open in about 20 countries besides the US and made 2.8 million for a worldwide total of 7.6 million. Eh. Seoul made another 9.3 million around the world this weekend, bringing its worldwide total to 85.2 million. Considering there was no box office release in America, that is not too bad. The Crude's A New Age also keeps chugging along with it now at 144.4 million worldwide, not including all the PVOD rentals it's been getting domestically. Finally, Wonder Woman 1984 is up to 152 million worldwide. Moving back to Hollywood, we got some updates on what is being worked on. First is the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid, with Javier Bardem saying in an interview that they have begun filming the movie. No release date is set, but the earliest it could come out is 2022. I would think this is a big summer release for Disney, so either summer 2022 or 23. Now, while not directly number-related, I do think I have to mention what India is planning on doing. While they have started their vaccine distribution, the government has decided that starting February 1st, theaters can increase to 100% capacity if it is not in a COVID-19 containment zone. Since October, all theaters in India have been running at 50% capacity if they were open. Now, obviously, theater owners are overjoyed by the news, but uh, I think this is really careless. I've heard a lot of things about COVID in India, with a lot of cases not being reported, and look, while Americans have done a poor job of handling it, it seems India may be doing worse. 
Now, yes, the population is three times the size, but still, I just hope people in India still wait to go to the movies for another month or two so more people will get vaccinated because everyone running out now will cause an increase. Not a spike per se, but an increase in cases, and that's not good. For a new movie in development, The Hollywood Reporter is exclusively reporting that a proper Cloverfield sequel is in the works. J.J. Abrams production studio Bad Robot has signed on Joe Barton to write the script, and Paramount will be distributing the movie. Well, you may not have heard from him yet, he has also recently signed on to be the showrunner for the Gotham HBO Max show set in the world of the new Batman movie. Another interesting detail is that the sequel will not be in found footage format like the original. I was really happy when I heard this news because I always wanted a proper sequel to the first Cloverfield movie. And look, I enjoyed 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's a good movie, but it never filled my appetite for a proper sequel. Hopefully this movie turns out well, and if it does, it could keep the franchise going enough to turn other sci-fi movies into Cloverfield movies. <laughs> While we wait and see what happens to MGM, they are not sitting still, and it looks like they have bought their next movie. Deadline is exclusively reporting that the studio is closing in on a deal for Adrift, a supernatural thriller directed by Darren Aronofsky and starring Jared Leto. Not only that, but this will be a Bloomhouse production, with that studio making the movie and Jason Bloom being a producer. The film will be based off a short story written by the guy who wrote The Ring. Since the deal still has to be closed and the script still needs to be written, this is easily a late 2022 movie, if not 2023. As for my thoughts on it, it's Aronofsky, so it's going to be weird as fuck and probably scary. But for that kind of movie, Jared Leto is a good pick, great actor, so should be a good time. This is not the only move MGM made this week, though, as they were very quick to strike the iron while it's hot by getting a Wall Street Bets movie lined up. That's right, all the craziness about Reddit. Retail investors taking out some big hedge funds with GameStop stock as its battleground will become a big-budget movie. But that's not a surprise, right? The economic collapse of 2008 brought us The Big Short and Margin Call, both excellent movies that I highly recommend watching. As for the details, well, it's very early, but this is what we know. Author Ben Meseritz wrote an outline for a book he would do, and from that he went to studios offering the movie rights to it. MGM is a studio that was able to close the deal. So now, with this done, he will go and write the book, right now called The Antisocial Network, and then MGM will work on the movie based on the book. Now, why should you care or be interested? Well, he wrote the book that would be adapted to The Social Network. You know, the fantastic drama movie directed by David Fincher. So yeah. This is not his first time doing something like this. Also, since this is super early, unless they write the script and the book at the same time, this is a 2024 movie, but possibly an Oscar contender, depending on the cast and crew assembled. I'm surprised the deal happened this fast, but I'm not surprised at all that there will be movies based on this. While some of it is still happening, there's already a lot that can be written up, and there are many different angles you can take. Are the retail investors the heroes of the story, or are they just idiots with too much time and cash? How about the hedge funds? Are they idiots who got too greedy? Or do they have to fight back to save the pensions that they managed? Look, I'm on the side of the retail investor, personally, but there are a lot of different ways to paint everyone in this in a good or bad light here. So expect multiple movies and possibly a HBO or Showtime TV show out of this. VOD Premium is very busy this week, so let's get started where we left off from the last episode and talk about HBO Max and Justice League. Warner Media announced that Zack Snyder's Justice League will premiere on March 18th on HBO Max. Now, for people outside America, here is the initial plan of the rollout. For Europe, it will be available on a normal HBO platform in select countries. This will include Spain, Portugal, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Finland. If you're in Asia, the movie will be available on HBO Go with the countries including 
Singapore, Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, and if you are in China, you'll have to be in Hong Kong to watch it. If you are in Latin America, you'll sadly have to wait until later in the year, whenever HBO Max launches. From the press release, I saw nothing mentioned in Canada, Ireland, the UK, France, and Germany to, seems, to name some noticeable countries missing. We'll have to wait for the second wave of release dates whenever that will be. The release strategy is a bit of a mess, I have to say, but that's to be expected when your premier streaming service is only one country. Anyways, as for the schedule, moving it back into a massive four-hour movie will work better because you can sell that as an event, and then two weeks later, you have another blockbuster with Godzilla vs. Kong. So right now, March is shaping up to be a great month for Warner Media and HBO Max. Before we move on from them, there is something I want to point out, and other reporters are seeing the same thing that will only get worse from here on out. With the little things being released, we saw how much it made at the box office, but right now, no concrete numbers on how it did on streaming. What we have here is a quote from Andy Forsell, the general manager of HBO Max. Quote, We are absolutely thrilled by how Warner Brothers The Little Things is performing on HBO Max. It immediately shot up to number one, where it currently remains. End quote. Cool. Can you tell us how many accounts watched it, finished it to completion, anything? This sentence means nothing in terms of whether it met expectations or not. We see this issue with Netflix and how there are huge numbers of people who watch their content when it premieres, but it counts if they watch it for less than five minutes. There is the issue of how many sales also are made on video on demand. Like if I see a movie like Tenant, number one on iTunes for a week straight, how many sales are in rentals is that? This is a growing issue that will not go away post-COVID because while theaters will still be the main source of money for a movie, you will now have direct streaming movies that will have high budgets and we will not know if that is a success or not because unless laws or rules are changed, studios do not and will not give up that information. Viacom CBS is gearing up for the Paramount Plus launch set for next month, and with it, the United States will finally be able to watch the latest SpongeBob movie. Sponge on the Run will premiere day and date on March 4th with the launch of the streaming service at no additional cost. If you do not want to sign up for another streaming service, you will be able to buy it on VOD on the same day. That's not all the SpongeBob news as well. Also, for the launch of the service, Viacom CBS will be launching the SpongeBob prequel show Camp Coral with the first six episodes available to watch. This has been a very weird release schedule for the movie that was available in Canada and in other countries last fall in theaters. But look, hope it works for them and it can help out the launch of the service. They have not mentioned if you can buy and rent on VOD and if so, what was the price? But since it's launching on streaming, I would assume $20 to buy, six to seven to rent. While Hollywood works on films based on what happened at the stock market, the current ones got a nice boost from it. Over the weekend, people decided that they needed to get more of an understanding of how it all works. So The Wolf of Wall Street and The Big Short ended up in the top five for movies on iTunes. Both great choices, but I was disappointed to see Margin Call not up there, and I did look. But yeah, this is similar to what we saw with Contagion last year when the pandemic first went worldwide, and people went back to watch that. If anything, it shows that if a major event does happen, media related to it can get a decent boost out of it. Finally, we will wrap up with some Sundance news, and of course with the big tech companies working to improve their film studios. Records are breaking more often, and it happened again. This time it was Apple, who spent $25 million for worldwide rights to a film called Coda. This breaks the previous record set last year, of $22.5 million for Palm Springs by Hulu and Neon. The film is a very interesting one, with a focus on a girl who is the only one in her family that is able to hear, and she deals with the conflict of trying to follow her passion for music, but not leave her deaf parents behind. Early buzz from Sundance is that it is a great movie and a possible award con contender. So look for a fall release from Apple, and who knows, maybe some Oscar nominees next year. I do wonder, and this leads me into the question for the week, 
is how far will this go? $25 million is a lot for, let's be honest, a small drama film that post-award season next year people will not care much for. So are these companies just trying to buy their first few Oscars and then get more stingent with their, uh, with their pocketbook? Maybe. But also Apple, for example, has fuck you money, so it's hard to judge. Anyway, that'll be it for the episode. As I just mentioned, how far do you think the records will be broken? Let me know on Facebook. Link to it is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. See you next time.